0: Today, we're going to study uh, the death of Jesus on the cross, this incredible achievement uh, where where death for humanity is defeated forever. It is the single most important uh, aspect in humanity's history where God died on the cross as a sacrifice for us. Uh, And it's so incredible that we need to really drill down and, and understand it. And so, if you look in John chapter 19, you will see the last words of Jesus on the cross. Verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, uh, we can also look, if you would, you get another perspective of this. Turn to Matthew 27, verse 50, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So, uh, I want you to understand something: that this is not uh, Jesus in despair. This is not Jesus in defeat. This is the ultimate moment of triumph. Jesus had come for a mission. He had come as fully man. Fully God, but fully man, as we talked about last week, experiencing all the pain and suffering that you experience, and now giving up his life, giving up his body on the cross, uh, and fulfilling the mission that he came for, the mission to defeat uh, sin once and for all. And so it marks this moment as unique as Jesus' death now gives us the new covenant. You heard Hayes speaking about that this morning, the new covenant. And so we understand that everything in the Old Testament now had reached completion through Jesus. Now, Jesus' uh, atonement on the cross is the critical event in Christian history. Uh, and so we need to consider it at some length. Now, the major study that we're going to do this morning is going to be so that the study of sacrifice. Uh, and this becomes important substitutionary sacrifice. Uh, And that means that the death, that Jesus' death was in place of someone else, and that someone else uh, really was you. Jesus died in your place. When Jesus was on the cross, his hand had your name written on it. Make no mistake about it. This is one of the most personal things that God has ever done for you. There's nothing more personal than basically to give up Christ himself to die on the cross so that you personally could have life hereafter. Uh, It's important that, that you understand this and that you're able to articulate it to a lost world. This is what separates us from the world, the fact that we know because we've accepted Jesus that we're going to heaven, all right? We're going to heaven. There's no mistake about it. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person because I'm not a good person. I'm not going to heaven because I have a winsome personality, and because my personality is often not winsome. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Bible teacher, or I'm a preacher, or that God has used me. I'm not going to heaven for any of those reasons. I'm going to heaven for one reason. Jesus died on the cross for me. So let's make sure you understand this and articulate this To a world that is lost. Because the world doesn't hear this from any place else. And folks, let me say something to you. This world is worse probably than it has ever been. You cannot turn on television and watch the news. You see our government coming apart. Where people hate each other. And will do everything to destroy each other. And let me tell you something. That sin factor is on both sides of the aisle. Democrats and Republicans. I know you may not want to hear that, all right? But sin has pervaded itself into every aspect of the government. If you don't think that the host of demons are encamped in in Washington, D.C., well, then you're not watching the news. And so the thing that you come to understand that the only answer, the only answer is Christ. I don't care what it is. Don't think that a political revolution will help. It will not help. Don't think that we have to get more like minded people in, into Washington. That's not going to be the answer. The only answer is Christ for a lost world to understand this, to understand what, what God has done for us. And so on the cross, he was the substitutionary sacrifice for all time for you. And, we, and, and the point of understanding this is that God abhors sin. God abhors sin. And if you want to see this, you can turn to Romans chapter 3. Turn there, please. Verse 9, Paul speaking about sin. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. That is a description of humanity. Every single one of us has sinned. Um, And so here's the point of understanding this. It becomes difficult to talk to a world about sin because people will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. Uh, People like me. People in my country club like to play golf with me. I'm always invited out to dinner. I've I've been a responsible person my whole life. I've led a moral life. Well, here's the the difference, folks, is that we understand that there is no personal goodness. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves good, that everything within us is dark, and other than having accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we wouldn't be going to heaven, because you can't work your way to heaven, all right? You can't work your way to heaven. You can't get up and say, I'm going to start being a good man, because about five minutes later, that'll end. You understand? That'll end. And so the only way we get there is through Jesus Christ. And God understands this. And so this lesson is about understanding how God abhors sins. Uh, And and so in the notes I put a citation to Ezekiel 18 uh, where it said there that the soul that sins will die. Listen, God made it very clear to Moses and to the Jewish people that sin was the death penalty. And if you don't understand this, you can turn to Leviticus chapter 16. And Leviticus chapter 16 is devoted entirely to the day of atonement. The one day of the year that the Jewish community came to atone for their sins. And when you read Leviticus 16, your head will explode. Because you will see how abhorrent sin is to God. And God there lays out exactly what the prescription is for the high priest and the people to prepare themselves to go into the holy and holy holy of holies on that day. And you know that that the, the when you read Leviticus 16, there were a certain number of ritual washings that the high priest had to do. Aaron had to do before he could step into the holy of holies. And he was warned that if he went into the holy of holies in an inappropriate way like his two sons had done before him, they were struck dead in the Holy of Holies. Because you cannot approach God without understanding that you have to atone yourself and wash yourself and submit yourself and lower yourself before God himself, the creator of the universe. You just don't go marching in there. And so that's what the Day of Atonement was all about. And as they would go in, into the Holy of Holies there, they would see the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, which was made precisely according to the directions of God. And on the Ark of the Covenant, there was a mercy seat. And the mercy seat would be the place where all of the ritual sacrifices would be placed. Where the blood would be placed, because God had directed that. And at each end of the mercy seat... Uh, sitting atop it would be cherubims representing the presence of God, and God would stand above that mercy seat, looking down as the high priest did the atonement for the people once a year, washing them washing with the blood of animals that 's what had to be done in order to be atoned and as God looked down. and and looked approvingly at this sacrifice, this animal sacrifice. Not only would he see the blood of the animal standing there on the mercy seat, he would see below the mercy seat the broken law. He would see the Ten Commandments which they put there underneath it, which had been broken. He had the tablets there. And so he knew that humanity would break the very law. It would do it immediately, but God required the atonement. We have to understand how great God's concept of sin is, how profound it is and what he requires for atonement. You read Leviticus 16 when you get home, and you will understand what Jesus did on the cross for us once and for all so that we don't have to go through uh, that day once a year. Instead, God has done it forever for all of us. One high priest now goes in before God and atones for you. Uh, Forever and intercedes for you. And you know, as you study scripture, you know that at the moment that Jesus said it is finished, at that very moment, uh, we know that the veil and the Holy of Holies, which was four inches thick, the veil of the Holy of Holies uh, was torn in half from the top to the bottom at the very moment that Jesus expired on the cross. They said the sound echoed throughout Jerusalem. Can you imagine what that had to be like? It was, must have been like a gunshot as this curtain was ripped from top to bottom. And yet the people didn't come to Christ. You understand how, how evil people can be? Even in the face of the enormity of God's hands, Jesus dying on the cross, the curtain ripped in the Holy of Holies, and yet, yet people still didn't come to Jesus Christ. And you understand what the heart of man is about. And you understand this. And so when we really drill down on this and understand the issue of sacrifice, we need to go back to the Garden of Eden. We need to go back to the very root cause of, of humanity's sin. And, and take a look there. Look at Genesis chapter 2, if you would, verse 16. We'll start with 15. The Lord took God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and care for it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Pretty simple, isn't it? It's very straightforward. Very clear. You got it all. It's all here for you. Just one thing. Don't do this. And you know what this reminds me? It reminds me of when you go out to eat at a restaurant. And the waiter comes... And he puts the plate down in front of you and says, don't touch it, it's hot. What's the first thing that we do? How hot is it? Okay, it's not that hot, is it? Oh, I burned my hand. It's the very way our DNA controls us. All right? And, 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 you know, if somebody says to you, you can do everything but this, what is it about that this that drives us to try to do it? It's the very nature of the DNA. That's what it means to be a human human being. And so we're just lost in sin. And so here you have it, there they are in the Garden of Eden, which has been described by many theologians as heaven on this earth, Uh, and, and there it is. And at that moment, they've transgressed, they sinned, they violated God's will. Now, if you were God, and you had created something to obey you, and that creation had disobeyed, wouldn't you basically kill that creation? Wouldn't you wipe them out? Wouldn't you start all over again? I mean, think about it. It's this puny little creation has basically disregarded your command and violated your will. And yet your God doesn't do that. Your God doesn't do that. Instead, what does your God do? Your God condemns the sin, and then your God uh, amazingly, amazingly uh, takes two animals, kills those animals, and takes the skin of those animals and clothes Adam and Eve with those skins. That became effectively the first animal sacrifice. And I want you to understand something, that at that moment, uh, Adam and Eve saw death for the first time. Can you imagine the horror for this human, these human beings to witness death for the first time as they see these animals slain for their sin and disobedience. Uh, and so it had to be an incredible moment enacted by the grace and mercy of God and demonstrates how significant God views sin. Uh, and God tells them that they can no longer stay in the garden that they were going to have to work very hard for the rest of their life and toil uh, in order to make a living. Uh, And so we see here first the first uh, uh, import of animal sacrifice. Turn, if you would, to Hebrew chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read a few verses here, beginning with verse 1, as you understand why Jesus had to atone for us on the cross. The law, verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Let's understand that. All the animals in the world can die in a ritual cleansing and mankind will still have ongoing sin, all right? God may take it as a temporary atonement, but we will continue to sin and sin, and so we have to understand that God required some greater sacrifice. And from the foundation of the world, Jesus agreed to be that sacrifice and came incarnate as a man in order to be that, be that sacrifice. Verse three, verse 5, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am, as it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. There's Jesus speaking to God the Father about animal sacrifice, recognizing that animal sacrifice was not going to do the trick, that only the death of Jesus himself on the cross, only the death of God fully invested in a human body atoning for you, for your sins, for the sins of your family, for humanity from all time, from the beginning of time to the end of time, one time on the on the cross. First he said, verse 8, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first. To establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Look, we understand the law. We honor Moses. We honor what God did through Moses. We honor the Ten Commandments, but not one of us can ever live up to even one of those commandments. This morning, I said to the class, I said, you know, the the thing that we have to understand is God doesn't have a point system for sin, all right? Because a lot of us think, yeah, he's got a point system. I'm only really, I'm a marginal, I'm a marginal sinner, all right? Uh, Because in my point system, I know murders, that's a 10-pointer, all right? Adultery, that's like an eight, Okay? Stealing, that's a nine. Robbery, nine and a half. How am I doing? You getting this thing? You know, white lies, oh, they're they're, they're just way down in the bottom. That's maybe like a one. Uh, And then stealing from the government, not paying your taxes, that's a bonus position. (laughs) Because you're just taking back your own money, which they shouldn't have taken from you in the first place. I know I could get an amen on that. And the point is, stealing is stealing. You understand this? This is why. I'm amused. I'm amused when I hear fundamental uh, Christians talk about homosexuality because they got that point system out there. You understand? And I and it's so easy for me to weigh in on these things. Look, God didn't call you to be the judge. You understand? Get over that. You're not sitting there with the point card. He is. You're calling people to be saved to accept Jesus Christ to understand that he died on the cross for their sin. Yes, all sin, everything from the beginning of time. And unless we communicate this to a lost world, we are not serving God. And the problem that a lot of us have is that we find it difficult to tell loved ones and people we are close to about this truth because we believe that we will endanger our personal relationships. Oh, John, you don't know. If I ever talked like you, I could never go back to the country club. They would look at me as a nut job. My kids wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. My my siblings wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Let me tell you something. If you love your siblings, if you love your children, you should go home today, get on the phone, and tell them about Jesus. Because there's no greater expression of love than communicating what Jesus Christ has done for this world. No greater communication. So I'm not interested in people lifting me up, frankly. I could care less. I don't care what people think about me. Look, I can't say that I was like that in my earlier years. Of course I wanted people to love me. I wanted people to respect me. But I got to a point when I understood what the call of God was on my life that I left that stuff behind. It's irrelevant. I remember when I went to my 50th high school graduation. My wife said to me, Why are you going to this? You haven't had anything to do with these people. I said, Because I want them to know what Jesus is doing now with me. She says, You're going to tell them? Oh, I'm telling them. I'm telling them. And I did tell them. Not too many people sat with me. But that's okay, you understand? because I wasn't trying to get the most popular award or the most likely to succeed award. Those days were over. I knew that God had called me to convey this message. And if I didn't do this, then you know what? He might as well call me home. And I mean that for you. If you don't step up and do what God is calling you to do, and this is the principal call on your life, God expects you to speak about Jesus publicly. Can I get an amen? amen? And I'm going to say something to you. If you don't step up and you don't do it, then don't be surprised if God punches your card and says, you know what? He's just not doing it. He's just not doing it. You know, it's you know, just not doing it. And I don't want God to do that. I want God to lift you up and to affirm you. And so we need to understand this uh, and understand how how horrible God looks at sin, and here's here's the other point of this is when I understand the death of Christ on the cross, this atonement of Jesus on the cross. When, you know when Jesus said, "No man cometh to the Father except through me." Now a lot of people, in the world go, "That is so discriminatory." You Christians make me sick. How can you say no, man? Look at all the good people in the world, all the good religions of the world. And I've just given you an example of how God looks at sin and the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, how they had to go through numerous ritual washings. And you have the nerve now to say, yeah, but there are good Hindus. There are good... Yes, maybe they are in their own mind, but understand how God looks at it. God says, I gave you the prescription. I told you how to get here. I filled it out. All you had to do was say yes. And you can't even say yes. Because your big carnal mind is so filled with yourself. So filled with your own mind that you think you don't have to do it this way. You can do it your own way. Well, that's what we have to tell the world. That's important to understand this. Now, you know, now that we understand that the first part of his, his death was a substitutionary atonement, that he died in place for us, we need to have a second word for understanding the meaning of his death, and that is a word called propitiation. Uh, and if you turn to Romans chapter 3, we can see this. Romans chapter 3. Propitiation. And that's a fancy word meaning paid in full. All right? Propitiation. Uh, and look at Romans 3, verse, uh, verse 24. Actually, we'll start with uh, verse 22. This is righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely, By his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Through faith in his blood, he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. The sins committed beforehand unpunished. Uh, Let's understand what this means. It means that it was as if Jesus paid the debt in full on the cross. And all of those sins were marked paid in full. Now, let me say something else to you, which you need to tell a lost world. When you are saved, when you are saved, God has cleaned up your past. And so many of us, are Christians, are weighed down and anchored by our past. You know, you'll come across people, your old friends, and they'll go, Oh, you know, I remember you. I remember you. I remember I, I saw a guy, a lawyer I hadn't met in years, and he said, I heard, he said, I heard you're a Bible teacher. He goes, You? Of all people? You? I saw you in court. I saw what you did to people on the stand. You? And you want to know something? God wanted that memory erased from me. He didn't want me to think about that. And I say that to you today that when you come across people that want to go back and talk about your past, you're saved. What you want to say is, God forgave me. That part of me is dead. I look as as a Christian, I look at the present and then the future. Uh, And so many of us are tied down by that past. We're ruined by that past. Listen, God, when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he forgive your sins, he forgave your past. And the Bible tells us that he buried your sins as far as the east is from the west. That means God has forgotten it. And if God has forgotten it, maybe you ought to start forgetting it. Because that dwelling on your past life and what you did will do nothing but drag you down. You cannot be a triumphant Christian. You cannot lead that life if you reflect back on the the things that you did before. They're gone. They're paid in full. Jesus paid it full. And so it's important as you understand this that you go back and look really at what Christ said, what God said himself about the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies uh, and and understand how, how, how you had to wash ritually in Leviticus 16 on that day, in order to go in, and the whole country of Israel on that day was mourning and sorrowing because they understood that they, what the depravity of their sins were and understood that only the high priest could do that once a year. Uh, and so this becomes so important to understand this. No one but the priest, high priest himself could enter into the Holy of Holies. No one. And it was such a profoundly holy place that they had to sew bells on the bottom of his robe so that when he went into the Holy of Holies to atone and do the rituals, if he didn't do it right, he would be struck dead, and the only way they would know it, they'd hear the bells would stop ringing. Can you imagine that? And so the bells stopped ringing, they dragged the, cor- the corpse out because they tied a rope around him. Look, folks, God hates sin. You read Leviticus 16, you understand the profound way God views sin. How depraved it is to God. We're not playing games here, folks. We're not playing games. Uh, And and this is what this message is about. Somebody told me this morning, man, if you keep preaching fire and brimstone like this, nobody's going to (laughs) come. Well, you know what? I don't care. God will send other people, all right? Because this is a message that God wants people to hear. And whether you hear it from me here or they hear it from you, which I would prefer, that's what I want. I want you to leave here to be so inspired to say, I got to tell my family about this. It's not merely going to church. I can't say I've been a church member my whole life if I've accepted Jesus. If I truly understand the nature of the sacrifice. Have I understood the atonement on the cross, because if that's not being done, then can you really say you're saved? Can you really say you're saved and understand this? And so you see all of this coming together on the mercy seat uh, in the Ark of the Covenant on that day of of atonement. And so you understand how God looks at sin and what is being done uh, on the cross and how significant it is as God looks down. And understand that God determined that there would only be one sacrifice once and for all, for all humanity, Jesus Christ. No other way to God but through Jesus. You don't like that? Take it up with God. Okay? Take it up with God. You don't like that? You would prefer you have some human philosophical discussion, some morality issue, uh, and you want to work your way uh, to God. And everything in the Bible says that your works are looked at like filthy rags. Take a look at God in Leviticus 16, and you get a sense of how profound He is, and how we view sin, and what His wrath is like. Only the, only the death, the atoning substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross would satisfy the wrath of God. Only one death would do it. Now, there's a third word used uh, for describing the effect of Christ's death on the cross, and that word is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start with verse 16. this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed... To us, this message of reconciliation. Reconciliation was performed on the cross by Jesus Christ. Once and for all, we would now be forever reconciled with God. We would be part of the kingdom of God. We would now be allowed to be in God's presence, to be with Jesus Christ, with our family. We would be there forever. Jesus reconciled us to God. Permanently. Once and for all, that's that's what was done on the cross. That's how significant uh, the cross is, and you understand this. That's a key passage. It means that the relationship that was once broken is not broken anymore, that it's fixed forever. That is why That is why, when you have accepted Jesus Christ, you can have the confidence to walk in this world knowing you know where you're going to go. I was just in the bathroom, and a guy walked in. All the urinals were filled. And a guy said, "Who's going to heaven in here?" It's a little unusual, I'll give you that. <laughs> Nobody said anything, but I said, "I'm going. I'm going. I have my ticket." Now, somebody might say, "Well, how, how can you? How can you? That's arrogant. You're arrogant. You're an arrogant man to speak like that." No, I'm not an arrogant man. I'm a broken man submitting myself to God, to the throne of God, knowing that the only way that I go is I got the ticket he gave me. And it says, pay in full. And now, that's how you can walk in this world and be triumphant. This is how I can walk in this world and serve him. This is how I can come up here and teach you. You think it's easy to teach? You think it's easy to teach to know, you know, my own past and reflect on things like that. God doesn't want me to do that. He wants me to focus on the present, on the work that he's called me to do. That's what he's asked me to do. It's the same for you. Don't go thinking about where you were. Think about what he's called you to do. That's why I have the confidence and the assurance to know that I'm going to be there with him. Not because of me, but because of the death of Jesus Christ. All right? That I could say that in a crowded room with other people. I, who's going to heaven? I'm going to heaven. I'm going, now you need to tell your kids this message, okay? You need to speak to them just like this. You need to talk to your spouses and, and, and your siblings and your golf community. You need to do this and don't be afraid of having attenuated relationships. That's not gonna happen because at the end of the day, people will respect you for living up to the Christian principles that we, we espouse. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. What are we, secret disciples? Save that for next week. We're going to talk about secret discipleships next week. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. God doesn't want secret disciples. He wants people stepping up, giving the message of hope to a world that's lost. Do you think people are going to get this message from television? They're going to get this message from television. They're going to get it from books. There's only one book they're going to get it from. It's from the Bible. And they're going to only get it when you give it because you're going to live that life and demonstrate what it means to be sold out to Christ, what it means to do that. And so here you see, here he is, healing the broken relationship forever, bridging the gap, reconciling us forever to God on the cross, bridging that gap. Um, and so on Calvary, it was the ultimate bridge uh, to which the earlier sacrifices pointed. And turn now, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald, and an apostle, and I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles, and I want to say to you right now, just as Paul was appointed, you're appointed. You're appointed. There's not a single person here that has not been appointed by God to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when you leave here today, I hope that you are committed even to a greater extent to, to thank God for the salvation that he's given you, for the atoning nature of the cross, for the reconciliation of the cross, so that you could say in a crowded room, who here is going to heaven? And you'll be able to raise your hand and say, I'm going. I'm going because you know you're going. You have the confidence to know you're going because Jesus gave you the ticket to get there, and you, all you did was accepted, and therefore, when you come and understand everything, you recognize that at that moment when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. This was the overwhelming conclusion of the work of God, the triumph forever of God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the words that you've given us. We thank you for this message. Lord, we're overwhelmed by understanding the nature of the sacrifice of Christ and what you did for him on the cross. Lord, we look back at Leviticus 16 and we scratch our heads understanding that we could never come to you. We could never atone for our sins. The law would be broken forever, yet you in love reached out to us and gave us Jesus and that all we had to do is to say, We accept him. We love him. He is our Lord and Savior. And we take the, the ticket, Lord. And we, we thank you so much. Lord, give us the grace today to come to terms with this and a call on our life, Lord. I believe the call on our life is that as we leave these, this place, as we go out to our cars, we go back to our homes, we have one central call in our lives to speak about Jesus, to tell a lost world what it means to tell our families who he is, and to give us the courage to step up in every way. Lord, be with our people. Protect them this week and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.